God, Scott, what's wrong with you? Did you know Plaid was so out yesterday? Smelled bad on the outside, a show that really frosts your cornflake. My name is Scott, and with me tonight are some luscious ladies. Feel free to introduce yourselves. Scott, I hate you. <laughs> Seriously. You too, sweetheart. You hate brought... you too. <laughs> you brought that back up because I accidentally said that earlier. <laughs> I'm Sam, and apparently everything frosts my cornflakes. <laughs> Yes, it does. Until such time as you can demonstrate what the hell that sentence means, everything, in fact, frosts your cornflakes. Damn, how am I supposed to follow that? You seldom can. You seldom can. This is why you try and jump in ahead of Sam. I should have gone first. Damn. Well, I'm Sam. I don't have a good, like, catchphrase like she did, so... It wasn't even a catchphrase. It was me saying something stupid. <laughs> well, that's you, like a catchphrase. It it's most of an SNL character, really. I feel so special and so loved right now. <laughs> you should. You're the specialist person I know. Gee, thanks, honey. It's okay, Scott. I'm gonna leave you for Kimberly, and then you know what? Then you're gonna be very sad that you frosted my cornflakes. I could do better. I could make them make me in a Harvest Moon game. Yay! <laughs> and I could be your love interest. See, Scott? And you would be able to woo me if you gave me chocolate and cake. Oh, that'd be so easy. No. See, see, see Sam only gives the ladies yarn and squid, so you have to like those. Oh, no. <laughs> That's only for the one Harvest Moon character, Scott. I got better. It's okay, Kim. You're easy to please. If I have to give you chocolate and cake, that's easier than him demanding other things like pie and cuddles. <laughs> hey, not just any pie. I wanted a trapumple. Oh, I thought it was strawberry rhubarb you liked, but okay. No, no see, the trapumple is a, when I was little, is I a pumpkin pie it. baked into a spice cake, and then an apple pie baked into white cake, and then cherry pie made baked into a different cake and then all piled on top of each other with icing. That sounds disgusting. No, it sounds like genius, and I will make one. Kim, get me out of here. No, I had a cute... When I was little, I used to call it Strawberry Rub-A-Dub, because that's what I thought it was spelled like. (laughs) (laughs) 
I guess that beats um, me calling Snuffleupagus Snuffleupagus because I could never say his name right. But we're getting mildly off topic, which yeah, is what we... this show does. <laughs> Alright, so pick of the week. I vote Sam goes first. Okay, my pick of the week is Sandlot, the greatest kids movie known to man. Because you're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls. And then I always, forever etched in my brain is the big league chew scene where they all vomit on the roller coaster. Oh god, that's the best part. <laughs> it's the best. Like we felt like we were on the top of the world. <laughs> that between that and then obviously the the final showdown between Rodriguez and Hercules the dog. No, no, the other good scene when um, he kisses the lifeguard and fakes his, like, drowning. Fakes his drowning. Oh, yeah. And then, and then his face when he smiles when they realize that he's not really. <laughs> See, that movie just is brilliant all over. There is there's nothing wrong with it. You just don't make kids' movies like that anymore, like, at all. I was thinking about this the other day. No, they did. It was called The Muppets, and it was awesome. I didn't see it yet, so... You should go see it. That's my pick of the week, so you should go see The Muppets. <laughs> yeah, no. Just just for 80s robot. 80s the robot. Newest Muppet. He's a robot from the 80s. He serves you new Coke, says gag me with a spoon, and has a dial-up modem. He's very cute. He drives the car. He's equally as cute as, like, you know, Jason Siegel being... Can I all- ask? how he is in it, because I was a little concerned that he might not be that good at it. Jason Siegel? Yeah. He's really in the movie. I mean, I know he loves them, but I just was wondering if it would be too forced, almost, you know? They're, they have really good chemistry, him and Amy Adams, on screen. Like, they, they look like they're having the greatest time of their lives, if that says anything. Like, in terms of how cheerful they are, how much they engage in the story. Like, they, they do so much right. They make you, as the audience, really want to be a part of it as, like, the human characters. So it's really nice. And, I mean, it also helps that they have the other Muppet that they're taking care of to work off of, who, he gets his own human form, you know, Kim, and it's really awesome who they picked. Um, it's only awesome and fits NPH. No, he's in the movie, though. <laughs> okay. No, no, they picked Jim Parsons. Oh, okay. From Big Bang Theory to be the, nice. uh, the, the pairing human, which was just so funny. Because when you see him come out, you're just like, oh, God, really? Why? <laughs> and then he's like, if you watch Big Bang enough, it's like Leonard always compares Sheldon to a Muppet. <laughs> so it makes sense. <laughs> I think I sat there during the movie, and I'm like elbowing Scott the whole time. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> he's just like, yes, honey, I know. I'm like, no, you're not paying attention to me. <laughs> so, Sandlot, greatest kids movie ever. The Muppets, greatest new kids movie ever. I just wish now I'd get a new Mighty Mighty Ducks that wasn't the third one. No, it's never <sighs> gonna, going they to would, happen. Because totally Disney doesn't it. own the Anaheim Ducks anymore. No, they do not. But I want Emilio back. <laughs> and I was like, Emilio, Emilio. Wrong movie, okay. <laughs> I know which movie that's from. <laughs> <laughs> Emilio Estevez. <laughs> He's the greatest thing ever. It's why they should have replaced him with, uh, instead of Ashton, Ashton, Ashton Kutcher for... Uh, Two and a half men. Oh, I don't know. That would kind of make his brother upset, though, I would think. Well, it was funny because Scott said that to me. He's like, you know, if they just switched Emilio in, they wouldn't know the difference. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking, like, yeah, actually, you're probably right. But it's okay. That show's going to be canceled, you know, by the end of this year. So we have Ashton Kutcher to thank for that. So what is your pick of the week, Kim? My pick of the week was I finally finished Uncharted 3. Um, Overall... 
good experience, like the high energy scenes. Not my favorite Uncharted game. I think I like two better, but you know what? It ended on a great note, so we'll see what they do from here on out. Because I know they have the one for Vita coming out. I have to wonder, like, what else they're going to be able to do with Nathan Drake's story. Like, Well, it's like, even when you play three, it's starting to get ridiculous, because how can one man have so many lives and just have such bad luck <laughs> at every corner? And it not get old after a while to an extent. Because even in the game, at one point he goes, this is getting ridiculous. And it's like, hmm, if your main character is acknowledging that, maybe it is a little bit. Also, considering considering how many, you know, thugs for hire and general unsavory types he killed, he's killed in the first three games. I don't know if there's anyone left just for bad guys to hire to be throwaway goons anymore. <laughs> Clearly, we need the zookeeper, Scott, from Futurama. Yes. He was a great villain. He threw rattlesnakes at you. Yes. Clearly, Nathan Drake just needs to fight a guy who throws rattlesnakes at him. I don't know. I got nothing. I can't think of a good villain for him. You know what? The villain in this game actually wasn't too bad. I really hated his and her guts throughout it. Um, The second one, I really didn't care too much. So I guess they did that better. I'm trying to think, the, the guy in the second game, he reminded me of the lead actor from The Mentalist. That's who he looked like, and I was kind of like, this is really creepy. But it's okay, because then there was more bromancing between Sully and Nathan, and that's all I cared about. When oh, I that's all about, like, like, that's all three. You'll love three then, Sam. Like, <laughs> it's a big part of that. I'm going to be that girlfriend that sits there with the bowl of popcorn and is going to watch her, you know, boyfriend play Uncharted and be like, <laughs> Nathan Drake. I always got excited when Scott purposely killed Nathan Drake for me because sometimes Scott would do something so funny. It's like, I'm going to chuck him off the building. Okay. See where it goes. <laughs> awful, awful, awful. It's okay, Kim. My sis would totally agree with you that Nathan Drake's the hottest thing ever. And I kind of agree to an extent. You know what? We never really get too many handsome men in the video game world, you know? So no. I like to uh, gush when there is one. You mean that's not, like, a spiky-haired JRPG protagonist? Yeah, exactly. That, yeah. So, so, yeah, no, no handsome men, is what you're saying. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Because girly boys, not manly at all. No. I don't know, considering what our topic is tonight, there's not really any manly men in that, either. What are you talking about? I'm going to guess if you want to talk about Jake Morgendorfer, manliest man of them all. You now, you know about? what I have in my head right now when they sing the song in the music musical Manly? Yes. It's manly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we entered into this. Um. <laughs> yeah. All good. So tonight we're talking about Daria. The greatest show that most people didn't remember was on. The best thing MTV put out in the 90s. For sure. She's not on Beavis and Butthead anymore. No one's on Beavis and Butthead anymore. <laughs> they talked anymore. about her, though, in a re- the new episode, like how she moved away, because they're like, didn't Daria die? <laughs> no, she moved away. I like that they brought Beavis and Butthead back. Because now it's more clever than when it was in the 90s. 
Well, I wish they'd do the same with Daria, but then they were talking about doing, like, a live action, and I was like, no, 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 you can't bring Daria back like that. I don't want it. Daria is best as a cartoon. Well, they can also just do so much more with the medium. Plus, trying to find a girl... Well, that's what they wanted. They wanted Aubrey Plaza from Parks and Rec, and then I think there was someone else who was like totally inappropriate to play her. I can't remember. They had like a list, but there's a actually a poll on MTV.com like a while ago if they had did the live action like who you would pick. And I don't know. They put Janine Garofalo on there. I'm like, she's a little old to be sorry. Don't you think? Fifty. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it would quite work. Like, Aubrey Plaza, I'd buy. Yeah. Although I she might be better as Jane. That's true. It's hard to say. She could probably do both without any trouble. Just with the way her sarcasm and personality works. But, you know, having a Daria revival, I don't know if it's in our future. And by no. the sounds of it, I think if they wanted to go the live-action route, it just it sounds like it'd be such a mess considering... You know everything that the car- the show actually stands for. It's just stuff you can't really replicate in live action. No, it had to come back as a cartoon, or I wouldn't. Can't well, then what are you what are you going to do? They ended it with Daria going off to college. Like, where would you pick it back up again? You know, I don't know. I don't think you could. I think we're getting ahead of ourselves, aren't we, Scott? A little bit, yeah. That's okay. It's a casual conversation. We don't have a structure. <laughs> and that's okay. I'm fine with that. So, I guess the best way to phrase Daria... Well, Scott, you're the host, actually. You should be doing this. <laughs> you should do it. Yes, but you care more. <laughs> okay. Daria, for me, and I'll just go from a personal level, um, was one of the first shows I really connected with when I got into high school. As a character, like I don't relate anyway to Daria like when I was in high school I was I was probably closer to a cross between if it was actually possible Jane and Brittany <laughs> what yeah I had the the moodiness of Jane with the stupidity of Brittany shoot <laughs> <laughs> you openly calling yourself stupid I am because I would have these moments in high school that just really defined how special I was sometimes <laughs> Is that I a played better this way? game for seven hours. And then I put up ten fingers. <laughs> so, I mean, I have the specialness of Brittany, but the sass of Jane. It's, I, I don't know how that works, but it's more of a, when I was in high school, it's just I switched between the two personalities. So, for me, Daria as a character was someone I could connect with, but not, I would say, not in the way that we would expect well, I think we all wished we could be like Daria and just not care what other people think. But when I think back to high school, that was not even possible. <laughs> no, and that's the thing. Now if I could go back, I'd try to be more like her. But oh, so yeah, she, like, you wanted to be like Daria and just not care and, you know, be the, you know, be the one who's, like, ahead of everybody. <laughs> and that's the thing. Daria as a character... What made her very special was the fact that she was above everybody. She was always thinking the things... Thinking and saying the things that we were all kind of going, yeah, you know, I wish I had said that. Mm-hmm. And exactly. the fact that most of us in high school can't do it. I mean, yeah. even if you look at a character like Jane, you know, I love Jane. I can relate to Jane. Outside of the artistic thing, I can't do that. But mm-hmm. Jane often has a problem of not being able to speak up for herself either. She's not mm-hmm. able to do what Daria does, and it's partially where you see a lot of her jealousy come from. 
Mm-hmm. We all wish we could be that open, be that kind of unique. But to a lot of people, it's also a really weird position to be in. And that's kind of what makes the show so fun, is that Daria is such an outsider. Yeah. She does not give a single shit about it. And it's not until the fourth season when they decide apparently that she's supposed to care about it, but we'll we'll get to that. The fourth, fourth and fifth season were a little weird. Yeah. What about you, Kim? How did you find Daria? Uh, let's see, gosh. I just remember it was like high school, I believe, when she came. And it was like one of those shows that I always had to watch. And you're just drawn, like, because, like I said, we all wanted to be like Daria. We all wanted that wit, that sarcasm to, like, you know, because high school is such a crazy time as it is. Like, half, some of the stuff that she would think, like, I would think in my head, but I wouldn't say out loud. She she would actually say it out loud. It was just amazing, some of the stuff that they presented. I mean, like, if you think back to the very first episode where they have the self-esteem classes. That's the best one. It's amazing, like. Well, that's, like the perfect opening episode for this series. Like, come on. To this day, I still say, I like having low self-esteem. Makes me feel special. <laughs> it was the perfect line, but what makes that even perfect is the fact that those actually exist. I was somebody who had to take one of those classes. So I know exactly where she was coming from with that, because it was just like, this is really really bad and it's not making me feel like a better person but I'm gonna just shut up and do what I'm supposed to do tell my parents apparently I still really really love myself and it'll be fine like there's nothing wrong with low self esteem and that's kind of what Daria's kind of proven she's like I don't really have low self esteem I just don't care so having known that there's something like that that exists it's just funny to laugh at because especially when you've been in that situation where you've had like a teacher come and say hey I think your child has low self esteem and your parents are kind of looking and going, are you sure? <laughs> it's always such a really awkward but kind of funny moment. And I like that Daria and Jane found each other because they both ended up in that class. And then, like, Daria's like, how many times have you had to take this? And I can't remember what Jane said, but she was, like, on, like, you know, a ridiculous amount of time she's taken the class. She knew it by heart, just was like, I'm just going to fail it anyways. <laughs> just can't <laughs> think. It's like I'm going to have to go back next year so it's the point. <laughs> and then and the she's... best is the assembly when they're when Jane goes up and she's like, "Yeah, it doesn't make me feel so good now that all of you know that I had low self-esteem." <laughs> they turn into an assembly. <laughs> and you know, and that's the worst, right? The the possible idea that you're you're being put on a pedestal just because you have low self-esteem and you've accepted it. It's just like, that couldn't be more worse of a situation, and just the way that Jane and Daria respond is just so perfect. Well, I like how they got in the class. Like, the test that they made Daria take, I think it was the ink blots and stuff, and, like, she was, would she say, a pony riding through? I can't even remember what the phrase is now. Damn it. It's a good one, though. Like, when I took this last time, they told me it could be whatever I wanted it to be. <laughs> the reality is, it wasn't. Well, just to show, like, how, like, you know the standards for what people consider is normal and isn't as pretty absurd as it is like who cares what you say about an ink blot doesn't mean doesn't mean doesn't anything. mean you're crazy <laughs> no i like the, to go with because just because they're kind of connected remember the episode where they went to um because helen gets promoted and they go to the psych institute because they want to um 
you know, background check or make sure no one's crazy and everything. And, and I love it because you find out that like, you know, Helen, Jake and Quinn are all crazy. And Daria is actually the most well-adjusted <laughs> of them all that ends up happening. I loved it. Cause it's like, turn the tables. I don't know what people, you know, perceive, you know, is normal, but Daria is actually way ahead of them. Well, and wasn't it like Helen has a stress problem. Jake has an anger management problem. And Quinn's just, I think it's like, she's self-absorbed. Yeah. (laughs) And then they're like, oh yeah, then there's Dario. We we don't know what she is. She seems fine. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Like I said, they had a way of just making such simple situations just so entertaining. I mean, one of my favorite episodes is the paintball episode. (laughs) The fact that it's like, you know, we have to learn to be well-adjusted people while being a well-adjusted person means, you know fighting for your country, as Mr. Martino would say. Like, he's calling them all these horrible names. You and Daria and Jane are like, let's just go find the, the shark museum that we passed by. Yeah, you know what I always loved? It was with, in this, is Quinn and uh, Sandy. Just like, there's this movie called, called Girl, it's based on a book, and one of the lines that always stands out to me is, you always knew your best friend by how much she resented you. And like, that to me is Sandy and Quinn. <laughs> Because you see them in the paintballs, as soon as they get a chance to, like, shoot each other, they of course do, because they can't stand each other, and it it's just, like, it's so perfect, because I think a lot of high school, like, friendships, especially in the, in the popularity, like, go on that resentment factor, like, you always want to one-up the person, you know, who you're friends with when you're in that circle, and it, it was, I loved, I loved it, and especially the episode when they had, like, the bad dreams about one another, cutting their hairs off and stuff like you know oh and don't forget the one where sandy gets fat oh that's one of my favorites because Because that's another perfect example of you know just kind of how their best friend as best friends how they work because they hate each other so much and even sandy at that point has to reconcile the thought of the fact that you know when this kind of thing happens you know, and it happens to me of all people, the person who she never would have expected it to happen to. She has to reconcile that thought and say, well, you know what? I have to make these adjustments. I, I'm being the shallow person. And it's kind of interesting because you see Quinn and Quinn's trying to actually explain to Sandy, like, it's okay. You look fine. Like, don't worry about it. And Sandy's like, he's like, you think I'm ugly? You think I'm hideous? <laughs> because again, instinctual best friend thoughts. Like, no, you're, you're telling me I'm fat and ugly. Well, Quinn's actually trying to be sincere for a change of pace. Well, and she actually helps Sandy lose the weight, which I think is, like, deep down they're friends, but they're always in competition with one another, which I think is a good parallel to have going on. Which is so funny when you look at the other two fashion club members, (laughs) who are, like, two of the most insane people. Like, there's there's no competition. Oh, I just loved how they made Stacy, like, so insecure, like... Like, she's a part of the group, but she's just, like, she's always afraid she's going to say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing, like, you know, it, it was pretty, I think it was pretty spot on to what a lot of girls go through. And you know what, I I always love the episode, and it's in one of the, I think it's one of the last episodes where she, she becomes the magician's assistant, creepy face there, chuckles, and I just thought that was so perfect, that was her finally kind of coming out of her shell. She's like, you know, I, I want to do this because I want to do it because I find it interesting. And you get kind of proud of her. It's like, oh, Stacy, like you're, you're actually coming out of your shell. And it's funny because all of the fashion club members are like, oh, my God, this is so stupid. Like, why would we do this? <laughs> and even they at the end are kind of like cheering for her. 
right? It's like right. a moment where they're actually putting their, their shallowness aside and kind of going, oh, Stacy, like, you're cute. And as for the other one... <laughs> well, you know what's funny? I was just thinking about that. They did a lot of character development, actually, with Stacy. because I don't remember... I don't know if you remember the very last episode where she, like, wishes that Sandy loses her voice on her birthday. Oh, yes. And she one. does, yeah. And um, just she finally stands up to her at the end of it and it's actually when the fashion club decides you know spoiler part ways um but uh then you think of uh tiffany and tiffany was just kind of there yeah no tiffany was I, not there to serve any purpose do anything with her if you think about it which i don't think i think that's kind of spot on that everybody has these great you know well i think if they as you had- go through I think if they had tried to do anything with Tiffany, it also just would have taken away from how her characterization is, which is the, she's the bimbo of the three. She's the not all there, not really paying attention to anything, and when somebody asks her a question, she goes, what? Well, and that's the thing, is you have three characters in a group of four that are already pulling in different comedic directions. Adding a fourth Mm -hmm. would just make every scene with them too busy. Yeah. So you need someone there to almost just play it straight. Just be the whatever girl. <laughs> well, and Tiffany does say enough stupid things that it actually works. Her comedy comes from the fact that she's so deadpan, she's so soft, and just whatever she's comes so out of her slow. mouth is so it's slow. It's really painfully obvious. Like I'll never forget. I love the one where she's the peer counselor to Daria. I was actually just gonna bring that up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that one's where great. she's actually. It takes her. I think what was it like twenty minutes to read through the guidelines, and Daria's sitting there like, "Are you done yet?" And she's like, "Hey, I'm trying to help you here. Now you to I have to start from the, the beginning." beginning. <laughs> that was so perfect. Like just in terms of like comedic timing, it was perfect for Tiffany's character because it's just like. You could just see the frustration on Daria's face. It's like, now she's going to read the whole byline again. <laughs> so I, I, I appreciate that Tiffany has no characterization because her characterization is perfect as is. <laughs> I think the fashion club's actually one of the, the best dynamics in the show. Just because you have oh. four unique personalities and they all mesh really well together. You know, and even looking back at Quinn, like, I honestly, I predict that, like, her and Daria along the way probably are close now, if you if you want to guess it. Because, you like, even in that last episode when her friend's drinking and everything, like, you saw a different side to her. Even when she didn't get as high of a score as she thought she would get on the, um, what is it, the pre-SATs yep. that they did. Like, she was really like, no, I'm actually not stupid i can do this like i need to you know prove to myself i can do it like she knew she was good looking so she could get away with things but then at the same time there was like deep down she cared um what you see an inkling of that when daria's the teacher Mm -hmm. because daria's like she even points out frequently and very blatantly it's like that there's somebody who knows the answer and is just not saying it due to public peer pressure Mm mm-hmm and Quinn, of course, you know, she sinks into her seat because she knows exactly that she's the one being pinpointed and she knows that she's got to step it up. Mm-hmm. And that's where you st- really start to see her character change, that she actually wants to be better than she actually is. And you got to love her for having the crush on the tutor who actually tries to make her Aww. feel better about herself because even he saw the potential. It's like, yeah, your, your three friends are such a waste. But he's like, but you, it's, it's there. Mm-hmm. But you're not applying yourself the way you should be. And... You know, being somebody who tutors 
kids, you know, it's it's such a hard thing to deal with when you have a kid who just, you know, they can apply themselves and they're not, and then you want to smack them. So I get it. I got where he was coming from, and I think Quinn's a perfect example of somebody who knows that they can do it. Oh, yeah, and I think, too, when uh, Daria and Jane filmed that little um, movie on her, and she she even said something like, sometimes I'm outside of myself, and I, like, hear what's, what everyone's saying, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, she knows she's shallow, but, you know, it's something that she's too focused on what people think to change who she is quite then. But I have a feeling, like I said, after she get like hit college and stuff, I have a feeling her and Daria are actually, you know. Well, I always love. Um, in high school. I, I I completely agree with you, and I think like we see glimpses of that throughout the show, especially like when you see like the the future selves parts. Like there's the one where oh I love that episode. There's um, I don't remember. I think they were dealing with something with Jake. So there's older Daria, older Quinn, and older Quinn comes in with like a bunch of babies, mm-hmm. and yet the two of them are are very friendly towards each other. Because, like, the kids are like, oh, Auntie Daria, like, it's so great. And even Daria is actually very receptive to the children, right? Mm -hmm. So it's interesting to see her and Quinn interact in their future selves, because Quinn is far less shallow. And, like, she... Oh, yeah, she she actually says she was a little nightmare in that episode when she was younger, so she she knows. And it was just so perfect. So, I mean, it'd be interesting to see where it goes if we could, but I think you're you're dead on. I think they were probably a lot closer. Which, you know, we should actually talk about Jane, who I think is probably one of the best characters in the show. Um, I think Jane is the girl that I think a lot of us can relate to. If we were in the outside, not a popular girl, but, you know, we, we are who we are. Um, Jane's perfect in that, but Jane has negative qualities that are, are so common with a, within a lot of girls. Things like, Jane has a real nasty jealousy problem. Mm-hmm. I mean... Just well, some that of the comes things. out really big when Tom comes around. <laughs> and we'll get to him at some mm-hmm. point. But, I mean, you just see the way that she, you know, she'll get into something and she'll get into it so hardcore and almost to the point where, like, once it's taken from her, she's so destroyed. Mm-hmm. Um, just the way she overreacts to things. I mean, it's common to be that girl on the outside, but it's even more common to to have those same kinds of panic attacks and stuff because... There is a part of you that does want to be accepted, no matter how much you, f- you you tell yourself you don't. And she's always fighting wanting to be accepted. So she loves the fact that while Daria accepts her, she hates the fact that Daria is too negative of a person. I think that really came through in the episode where the the football player dies from the goalpost falling. Yeah. And like Jane can't handle it because her and Daria were making fun of him right before he died and actually said, oh, why doesn't he just go die? And then he died or whatever. And, you know, she actually avoids Daria because, you know, she's feels really, she has mixed emotions on the whole thing. Like, because, and everybody goes to Daria because she's the misery chick. Yep. And, you know, you must think about these things. Cause you know, I think that was a good episode because not many, you know, how many times in high school did you really, really think about death or anything like that? Like you, you think you're invisible, like it's never going to happen to you, whatever, well, you know, it is, but you don't really think about it. And you know, that, that kind of overwhelmed Jane when she finally had to think about it. And she felt like she couldn't even talk to Daria about it because she thought Daria was not being apologetic enough for it. Which I think to Daria was like, I'm not going to pretend that he's, and she actually said that, that he's a nice guy when he was a jerk. 
And it's interesting because I think with Jane's character in that episode, she's also feeling t- tons of guilt for mm-hmm. making fun of him, right? I mean, they joke Which about is part of what her and Daria are all about. So I think yeah. she starts to question, like, you know, is it a healthy relationship? Yeah. And I think, you know, even Jane comes to the realization, I mean, especially as you see the show go on, I mean, I think Jane becomes very aware that their relationship is not as healthy as they want it to be. You see moments where Jane's just like, you know what? Like, is this girl for real? And she always has to kind of put herself in the backseat, like, is Daria somebody I can trust and and be around? She's always questioning trust with everybody, with the the exception of Trent. Every person that Jane encounters, she's always asking herself, can I trust this person? I feel like because her parents are not really in the picture either, I kind of feel like there's some abandonment issues going on there. You Definitely. Know? Well, the only person she can rely on is it's Trent. It's only Trent. That's the only one she's ever been able to because her family pretty much just leaves her. her and Trent just that. I mean, if house. you think of the episode where they go to the Lane family reunion, oh, God, I mean, yeah. poor Jane and Trent, they have to go to this event where they already know they're going to be neglected and they're not going to be cared about. And then they further emphasize that on the episode with the gazebo mm-hmm. where the gazebo gets destroyed. And, of course, you know, their older brother, who's such a freaking flake... He's all he cares about is the gazebo, and Trent and Jane are like, it's not going to change anything, but I guess we need to fix it. Maybe it'll show someone that we did this, and it was good. And they didn't even care that, like, the gazebo yeah. got fixed, right? Yeah. They didn't even notice it. And you could actually, funny, it's a great scene for Trent, because Trent's just kind of looking like, I actually did work. I actually I applied became myself. became man to get this work done, man. Exactly. He applied himself, which I think for Jane is always kind of a funny situation. Well, it's not even that he applied himself, it's that he actually had to assume authority for something. Because even within the band dynamic, everyone in that is kind of reluctant to do really step up and actually work and make everyone else work to being better. I mean... They spent five seasons thinking about changing their name. And also about which song was the better song to play as the opener. <laughs> you know what upset Well, that's me? a valid concern. <laughs> they were actually going to have a spin-off Mystery uh, Spiral show, and they just I'm, never did it. And I would have watched it, because I, I would liked their bassist awesome. so much. He was the coolest guy. I wonder what happened, why they decided not to go with it. They have uh, I think MTV axed a lot of their animation projects around that same time. Bad MTV, bad. Look what you've become. <laughs> no, t- 16 and pregnant. Pinnacle of television. Teen mom. MTV Ooh. started to rely a lot on reality TV by that point, so... Kind of spiraled. But I would prefer the mystic. <laughs> is it with a C or a Q? <laughs> maybe we debated that say, Maybe if I put two, as he said, maybe if I put two, would it sound better if I put two Y's in or something? Oh yes, yeah. like, like mystic. No, I think they like, wanted spiral with a Y. It was the oh the yeah, name. that was what it was. I was like, and I'll spell my name D A R Y A. Darya. <laughs> Oh my god. But then you would ask her and she would be like, maybe. She'd be like, cool. You know, because as much as Daria didn't care what people th- thought of her, when it came to Trent, she did. Like, she could not, as the one person, she could not, like, totally, like, just 
not give a crap what she said. Like, she always, it was, those scenes were always great, because they were always awkward, and always, like, you saw a different side to Daria, and I think it was a great, like, parallel to how she usually is to people, to how she was around Trent. Well, I also think what's perfect with the Trent scenes is that Trent was always giving her words of wisdom, which is so kind of unheard of if you think about Trent as a character and how much Trent actually does. But Trent is always the one, like, for some reason, when she has a conversation with him, he always says something that's really wise and really intelligent. She kind of looks and goes, and this came out of a deadbeat? Really? Cool? Well, and it's funny, too, because when they have that episode where they go into the future, at first, like, she she imagines her life with him, and it's like, you know, he's never made it with the band. They're struggling paycheck to paycheck, whatever. And then at the end of the episode, she has that other image of him really becoming something and making something of herself and she goes damn it damn it damn it at the end because it's like you know i think she knows what he's capable of i think we all know he might have something there but you we all know that most likely he's always just kind of gonna be who he is yeah like there's that want for her for him to be something else but he's not like yeah well and that's where i think again now we start to see how Tom gets into the picture because Tom presents himself as everything that Trent isn't and that I mean Tom already presents himself as a go-getter to begin with as much as he's lethargic about a lot of things I mean Tom's a very smart guy he has a higher education he actually applies himself he's he's kind of that perfect nice boy from next door Mm -hmm. just with a little sarcasm and even his sarcasm's pretty poor (laughs) <laughs> not trying to bash on him early, but for to go from Daria having a big interest in Trent to when they go into the Tom thing, it's really depressing to see how Daria goes from this guy who doesn't apply himself to this guy who has a really, really awkward facade about him that's not entirely truthful. And yet Tom, actually, if you think about it, he doesn't really apply himself either. He, yeah. you know, he can rely on his parents name and money to get him pretty much what he wants. He's a smart and intelligent guy, but he still kind of has that Trent quality in a way. But he's more socially acceptable because he's got the name. Yeah, and that's where I think, like, you know, maybe applied wasn't the best word, but it's like, he he gives off the illusion, I guess is what I'm thinking. Yeah, no, he does. Like, when he's very articulate, he gets Daria, like, they they like to read some of the same stuff. Like, there's a connection there, but I liked how it started off where it was just, you know, let's bring a boyfriend into Jane's life and see how it would affect Daria. Because, you know, they really only have each other. And so, if Daria has to split her time with someone, how is that going to affect her and Jane? And I think that that was initially what they wanted to do with Tom's character, just kind of, like, bring some a different element into, like, because that's inevitable. Someone was going to meet someone at some point or whatever. Um, I think where they jump the shark was having him be an interest for Daria, because I didn't watch Daria with the expectation that she would ever have a boyfriend in her high school years because she was way above all that stuff you know I didn't think they're gonna find anybody who really fit her I like the Trent crush because you know I think as girls we can all relate to that liking somebody who like we know we really shouldn't <laughs> we also there and go oh he's just so dreamy but yeah why? he's you know, so dumb you, you want to change him but you know you never will be able to like that whole thing but 
I don't know. It didn't work for me. I really hated the seasons with when they tried pushing that Tom and Daria on there. I liked that they hated each other, then they found some common ground, but I don't know. It's well, like... Hmm? Let's say one of my favorite episodes, actually, of the show, though, is the episode where they have the hair dye. Where Jane dyes her hair in the hopes to spice up the relationship with Tom. Her and Daria have the fight. Because you have to admit, that's that's something that's realistic and would happen between friends. Oh, yeah. Like, Guy's totally like, showing double interest. And you have the one who's actually dating him, who's actually trying to improve herself for him. Mm-hmm. And, but he's obviously, you know, he's he's really faking the interest so bad. And you have to feel sorry for Jane because Jane, she tries so hard. And her frustration comes from the fact that Daria gets the guy by not even trying. So I never actually thought of it that way. That's actually an interesting way to look at it. I just every time I watch that episode, I I I always relate to Jane a little bit more because I've seen that type of situation. I had that happen to me in high school, so I know. What I it's think, and like. I think Tom brought up a good point. Like they were both getting bored of each other, anyways. Yeah. But I think it was the fact that he went to Daria that totally, you know, wrecked her. Because it's one thing for a relationship to just fizzle out on its own. It's another thing if if that person goes after your best friend. And, you know, yeah. it totally, you know. Because Jane throughout that whole time was insecure. In fact, you, you started not to really be like, all right, Jane, stop it. Daria's not going to go for him because you thought that that was never going to really happen, you know, whatever. But... They did it, it did, and you felt and you felt for Jane because it was like, whoa, you know, because think about it. I don't want to be, I'm going to sound mean here, but I think, like, in a way, Jane, you know, Jane knew that Daria had the brains and everything. I think Jane wanted to, the only thing that she felt she might have had above Daria was that she took more, like, she did more with her appearance. So to get like you said, to have Daria who doesn't really try and end up getting the guy over her, like, yeah. That you have is to feel bad for her. Yeah. Because it's, it's not only defeating the purpose of, hey, the guy doesn't like me, it just really throws her insecurities for a loop. Oh, yeah. Because well, now she's also looking and going, I'm not attractive either. I'm not good enough in anything that I do. Well, I think it's like a lot of people will look at their friends, and I mean, girls do this, I hate to admit it, and they'll be like, is she prettier than me? And then oh, that no. goes into your head, too. Like, you know? I remember I hung out with a group of girls in high school. Like, we were all good friends, but I know that there's a lot of comparing always going on, and whatever. It's a thing girls do, and it's something that, you know, it's so hard not to do. Uh-huh. I mean, because look at other, like, other female characters. Look at Jody. Jody is always comparing herself to everyone. She knows that she's really smart, she's really pretty, and she's got it all. But she wants the life that she can't have. So she's always comparing herself to how everybody else is surviving. Mm-hmm. And she, she's, she's like the little mermaid. She's always wanting more. And the fact that she's in a position where she can't get it, you have to look at her character and you have to feel sorry for her because she she wants something she can't have. And you see that like across with even uh, with with Jane, with Brittany. They're all girls who want more. And Daria is the only female character on the show who isn't looking for more. When they added Tom, that's when it became more. And that actually kind of ruins her character a bit. Well, yeah, you lost a lot of what made Daria Daria. I mean, all of a sudden there is episodes about her contemplating having sex with Tom. And it's just like nothing, like, 
Daria makes a good point when Jane accuses her of trying, like, she's like, did you make out with Tom? And she's like, Jane, could you see me making out with anybody? And it's true. We never really, it never really entered your head. And then all of a sudden you're seeing it on the show and it's like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Yeah. It's, it's uh... The whole episode, the sex episode was disturbing because I, like, these are cartoons. I, I don't know. I just never wanted to really think about that side of any of them because all of a sudden like Jody comes out with her and Mac obviously do and you knew Kevin and Brittany were but I mean like it was just it was such a weird thing to bring into the show I don't know if they're trying to be more realistic with like more characters that were you know to high school and I mean that is a common you know thing that people go through in high school but still it just didn't work for me well, I think the issue is is that over the course of the first three seasons, Daria, despite being the title of character, she's a lot like Jerry from Seinfeld in that she's always she always sets herself outside as the observer and the commenter on the situation. Like, for, for all the episodes we really, really love, like the paintball one, that one's not really about Daria. That's about three other subplots being revealed over the course of this giant paintball fight. And her just mocking the situations as they arise. The second see now, so in the last two seasons, she's becoming, stepping in and becoming more of a character. And I appreciate that attempt at growth. It's just that it's not, it doesn't fit the form. And to quote Fry, it's like TV watchers don't want new and different. <laughs> they, different is scary. Well, it's not just that. I think part of the problem with the last two seasons, and again, I'm going to blame Tom on this, Daria's character becomes less sincere, I think, is part of the problem. So the things that we appreciate about her really start to fade a lot more. Do you know what? Actually, there is one thing I like, one part I liked of the last seasons, and that was when Daria was trying to go with her writing more. And she was, you know, she's always been above everybody else, like, academically and everything. And for once, she had to put herself out there and face rejection. And I know the first thing she submits, she gets rejected on. She has a hard time accepting it because she's not used to ever failing. And I think it's something she cared about. And I think that was a better way to go about it, making her, you know, more of a character. But everything else in between like that's probably one of the few episodes i really liked in the I last think another one where they again they show her as more of a character and not just an observer i love the one about the box the very last episode where she keeps taking the fridge box from the side of the road and she keeps crawling into it and she's trying to recall what actually is wrong with her because for years she's you know she's never thought that there's actually anything wrong with her but there was a fight between her parents specifically about her and she was trying to think to herself like what is it exactly that I did what was it about me right that made my parents walk away from each other so like the self-resentment you actually really start to see her kind of shed some of her shell like it's no longer bottled up because she just can't figure it out and she even goes to Quinn and says do you actually remember what happened between mom and dad and she goes yeah it was a fight about you but do I actually know what it was about no and she's just she's trying to put the pieces together. And I, I've always kind of appreciated that episode. That one actually always makes me cry because, again, it's a situation that a lot of people who are on the outside can relate to. When they're forced to come on the inside of something, it's so hard. They're not used to it, so they have to find a way to adapt. 
And in Daria's case, in that particular episode, she couldn't adapt to the thing that she was trying to become inside of. She just mm-hmm. couldn't do it. And then when she finally figures it all out and it all clicks, she she even realized that it wasn't worth the amount of emotional heartache she actually put herself through. When uh, when Helen actually explains what the situation was about. And that's actually one of the first times you really see her also appreciate her parents as characters. And I, mean, I like how Helen stepped up when the whole Tom thing happened with Jane and her. That uh, Jane, uh, not Jane, Helen and Jake are always portrayed as kind of caricatures. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that they always try to make them really loving and really supporting parents, supportive parents, because they really are for the most part. They they actually always genuinely care about what their kids are doing, despite busy schedules or personal self-deprecation. I mean, they're they're always trying to care about Quinn and and Daria's needs, and Quinn and Daria are looking at like, we don't really need you to do that. But as parents, they want to be in that place. They want to be able to help their kids. And they're so outside of their kids' situations that the moment they're let in, it's like the biggest glory of their lives. It's like, oh my god, my kid's letting me in. So it's great when you have those moments. When they, as, you know, children, they're actually accepting that their parents aren't that bad. And to an extent, you know, Daria says, like, my parents are absolutely insane. Yeah, they're absolutely insane, but they really, really care. (laughs) So, I don't think I just love Jake. Oh yeah, I love Jake too. Jake, Jake is, had issues, but Jake was great. <laughs> well, Jake didn't really need much to run on as a character, you know. Well, he's like, a- he's the only character that kind of works entirely in a vacuum. Like, when you think about it, all the other characters, comedically, need someone to bounce off of. Daria especially, because all she's there for is snark. But Jake, you just put him on the couch alone, <laughs> And do one thing to stimulate him, and he has his own entire subplot of sitting on the couch talking to himself. And it's the funniest thing in that episode. Well, you gotta love um, when he he gets the cooking exploits, where he decides that he wants to become a better chef, and he starts giggling to himself, you know, you're not gonna get any guacamole. (laughs) I mean, it's... Taco Thursday. No, I like when uh, Daria told him that milk would calm him down, and then he got, like, addicted. (laughs) (laughs) He's so easily amused and so easily influenced, and it's part of his charm as a character. I think it's perfect, because look who he's married to, like... (laughs) I know, how can you be married to that and still feel like a man? Exactly. And the fun part, you gotta love Helen, because Helen is always trying to make him feel more manly trying to make him feel like he is the man of the house. And you, you have to appreciate Helen's attempts, because Helen admittedly knows that he's not. But she's that, that wife that's like, I love you, Jakey. It's okay. Okay, now you're being stupid, Jakey. Please stop. Exactly. She'll like, she'll, what I love is she'll like try to give him like some control, and then she'll like take it away from him and be like, no, Jake, this is what we, this is what we agreed on. It's so great because she does it like right in front of him, but like tries to create this sense of like you're in control. But Helen's still calling the shots, and on top of that, like his dad with the military and everything, and that that's just great. Like military school, like totally ruined him. Not to mention, every time he has an episode, Daria always has like some snarky comment about, oh yes, how he had to peel potatoes for so long, and that's admittedly what's making him rock back and forth. Potatoes. Potatoes. And it's just like, oh my god. And just the fact that he's always recalling like his daddy not loving him enough. And, I just and then love Helen how going, yes, yes, we know already. 
they made him a consultant. So, like, I just remember the one episode where Mr. O'Neill has to call the offices, and he's like, Jake Morgan's our consulting. And then it, like, answers the phone, like, right away, like, really rambunctious and everything, because he's just, like, sitting on this couch, bored at work, and, you know, <laughs> just like, oh, somebody called me, you know, like. Oh, it's too perfect. <laughs> Um, who else are we missing that's fun to talk about? Well, we've got the the entire crew of school characters. Oh, come on, Upchuck. Scott. You know how much you Upchuck. want to talk about... Well, Upchuck is awesome. But there's one that Scott likes a lot, which is Kevin. No, no, my favorite is Mr. Martino. <laughs> yeah, but you also love going around screaming, Posture, QB, posture! <laughs> yeah, well, that's just because you have terrible posture, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of my favorite episodes, though, where Daria becomes the teacher... And then, like, they have the old lady teaching their class, and she's like, I can't give a gold scar to a boy who doesn't write his name properly. And he's like, but my name's Kevin. She's like, oh, QB. Because, <laughs> you know, he introduces himself as, I'm the QB. <laughs> it's like, oh, Kevin, you're adorable. <laughs> but let's talk about, actually, Upchuck, and we'll go to Mr. Martino Because <laughs> they're both great. No, no, well... I was eating something for a second. No, um, Upchuck. Um, I love his character. I like the fact that he really does think he's a diehard ladies' man. I think every girl in high school's had to deal with one of those type of guys before. He just doesn't get it. <laughs> just doesn't get it. And always is flirting with you, and you're always kind of looking going, oh my god, you're so grody, get away from me. There's always that one guy, and you're just like, please don't look at me, please don't look at me. And then immediately, because you're thinking that, they do it. And then you're just like, oh, no, he's looking at me. <laughs> I don't want to come near you. Go away. I think every girl can relate to having an upchuck in their life. And you got to love upchuck because he is so confident in himself. Right? Yeah. He has so much confidence. And even when he's put down, it's like his confidence doesn't even seem like it's shattered. He's just like, okay, yeah, you're, you're talking down at me, whatever. And he just he actually keeps going, which is... Impressive and kind of bizarre to me. <laughs> no, what's great about him is that he stands out in a room. You know, it's like the three guys who like Quinn. It's like Jeffy, Joey, and I forget the other. Jamie. Jamie. Yeah, they gave who him all... Who are interchangeable as characters. Yes, you don't know him... which one... Like, you know their names, but you don't know which one is Jeffy. No, well, Quinn he... doesn't know. <laughs> Quinn, she doesn't even know. Like, they gave them all, like, the same lettered name. Like, just, like, you're not going to really know the difference between them. All you know is that they love Quinn, whatever. And then you have someone like Upchuck who just, like, I mean, you're not going to forget them at all. <laughs> but that's how it is, though. There's those boys who are just kind of there. And I think, like, even in a, a popular crowd, they all kind of start to blend together. So Upchuck can have his dignity with knowing at least he, he makes an impression on people. I, I love some of his lines. I love some of the pickup lines he comes with because they're so old-fashioned, some of the stuff he comes up with. Like, I used to watch the show with my mom. I used to watch the show with my mom, and even she thought some of the stuff that would come out of Upchuck's mouth to be really adorable, but she's like, oh my god, people were using that when I was growing up. Like, he's so, in some ways, detached by how he presents himself because he comes across like he's a lot older mentally than people. Like, if you look at the clothes he wears and the way he presents himself, he almost kind of trying, it almost goes across like he's trying to be like a Hugh Hefner in the school, but doesn't quite get it. Like, he's the guy I'd picture running around with a pipe in his hand, just being like, smoking his pipe and being like, hey, babies, how's it going? And then just being like, 
Oh my god, ew. <laughs> but that's just me. No, I hear you. I mean, of all, like I said, of all the students though who who make an impression on me in that school, I love Kevin. <laughs> Kevin is he's the stereotype of really dumb quarterback. But that's why the show's so great. It actually works off of stereotypes that like everybody's telling you to stay away from, but it exploits them to such a degree that it is believable. I mean, people always get mad when you use stereotypes, but it's like it's because they're there. Like everybody knows somebody like Kevin, I'm sure. And hell, even Kevin knows people like Kevin. That's what makes it even better. I actually like that they made it realistic, and he wasn't able to graduate at the end. Well, I love it. Like when he says to Brittany, you know, like. Are you coming back here, babe? And she's like, well, I got into this school. And he's, and she's like, where did you get in? And he goes, here. And she goes, what do you mean here? And then he's, you know, he's pointing back at Lawndale. Like, he doesn't think that there's anything entirely wrong with it. Well, I just think he also knows that he's never going to have his moment like he had it at Lawndale. Like, once he goes to college, you know, because you could just see him playing for, like, some third rate, like, you know, with the... Get, getting like no education and just like never really going anywhere and that's you know and you gotta admit like the way that they handled that scene of him not being able to go to college you kind of have to love it because that's where Brittany finally grows up she looks at him and says you know what I can't do this anymore well you knew they weren't gonna stay together anyways because I remember when they were first looking at colleges and they had like those um you know their visions into the future they both totally <laughs> dumped each other and were like yeah <laughs> I like when they have Kevin, like, she's in the beauty pageant, and he's, like, yelling, Brittany, Brittany, marry me, I love you, you're the only girl I'm ever going to love, and, like, the security comes and walks them off, and then in his, she's, like, she he brings flowers to, like, a college girl, and he's, like, oh, some girl, my high school girlfriend gave them to me or something, so you knew that they were never going to last, but they were, like, they needed each other for, to get through high school, because together they were more powerful than being apart. Like I, like I said, I just I love the way that they handled that because I think for me, I mean Brittany again. Everybody probably knew a girl like Brittany, the one where it's like you're solely not going anywhere in life, and you're probably going to be the first one to get pregnant. <laughs> and you look at her, and you're just like, oh, you're such a bimbo, go away. But I think you're right. Like she needed Kevin to survive high school because without him, she knew that she would probably get eaten alive. So you gotta oh, give Brittany some credit. I really credit. like when they did do something different with her character. Did you remember the one where Daria, um, oh, when Jane first, I think it's when Jane first meets Tom and they're at, like, the club watching um, the band play, and they run into Brittany in the bathroom, but she's all goth? Yeah. Like, because I think she just, like, she wanted to be something else than what she was, you know? She knew that she was always just going to be that girl, you know? who was, like, relying on her looks and everything else and didn't really quite have anything. I think she liked the idea of playing a role of something different. Isn't that also the same episode where she gets caught with somebody else? Yeah, She gets caught with other people all the time. No, I know, but that's one of the ones I know that stuck out no, in my no, brain. Because she she's, like, makes, I think, Jane promise that she won't say anything or Daria. Yeah, or one that's of them right. Says, Is that the same? No, that's not the same episode where Daria got the rash. No, I think, but I think you're right. That's the exact episode where she actually purposely said to Jane, "Don't tell anybody I was here. Don't tell anybody about what I was doing." She actually purposely makes them promise because, you know, if people found out at Lawndale that she was dressing goth and you know being sleazy in a bathroom, 
it would damage her reputation. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, she also thinks because of how low on the totem pole Daria and Jane are that they're not going to tell anybody. And, you know, Lady Well, Lux and I thought she knew they, they, that they wouldn't really care anyways. What would they get out of it, you know? Oh, exactly. They're past all that. Like, for her, she just wanted to keep up appearances. For Daria and Jane, they already saw through it, and they didn't need to expose it. It's like they don't need to do anything to that, because, you know, what fun is is already poking somebody when they're down, right? They were already doing that, but for Brittany, I think... Brittany's one of the few characters I think Daria and Jane have some sympathy towards, because Brittany does always try to include people regardless of, of what position they are in the totem pole. Like, remember when she actually, when Daria's her partner in school for a lab assignment, and she actually invites Daria to her party? To their party, yeah. Because I know in her way, that's her, her way of saying thank you. Yeah. She's not looking at it as giving them social games. She's just thinking, that's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Even though for Daria and Jane, they're looking at it and going, do we really need to do this? And of course, Jane being like, yeah, we do. We're going to go see what the hell this is. <laughs> Right? And they're not thinking anything of it. They're just saying, hey, it's a party. We're going to go crash it and see if people actually notice we're there. Whereas for Brittany, she thinks it's a big deal to have them there because, you know, for her once things, her doing something nice and also because she thinks that she's going to help them be popular. Mm-hmm. And you got to love Brittany's soul because she, she, she means well most of the time. She just has a really bad way of often showing that. I like when she does the painting episode, and it's like, what's what's the message of this, Brittany? And she's like, don't join a gang. And the art teacher's like, like, see a gang? I don't see why. I don't see the don't. And she takes out her lipstick and just, like, puts, like, a whole X over it. <laughs> like I said, she's like, she very... would try so hard and just not get it ever. And yet the paintball episode is the one case where you actually see oh her... God, no amazing that episode what they do with <laughs> all of a sudden she just like knew where to go and had, was what to do strategy and everything it was like no if you go this way da, da, da. it was it was great great change of pace right there i think it was the only time you ever see mr d martino be proud of her <laughs> true that because <laughs> mr d martino is not proud of anybody <laughs> so scott why do you like mr d martino just because he's he's a man on the edge you mean like Lady Gaga? No, he's a man wow. on the edge of murdering everything. Especially Kevin. Especially Kevin. Like, he's I an think underpaid he's just... teacher, he hates his job, and... He hates his students. He hates his boss. <laughs> he hates the state of society. And he feels like he's wasting his time. Yep. Every day. <laughs> Well, because then you get kids like Kevin and Brittany who you try so hard, and it's like, no, they're just never going to get it. I like when he's with Daria. Stop showing off! Yeah, because she was giving, like, he was giving, she was giving him the slightest bit of hope for the future. And he can't cope (laughs) with that either anymore. Do you know what episode I love with him? The one where he has to play peer counselor with Daria? And they have all the oh, little kids when in the they camp. Do the camp? camp. Yeah, it's oh, it's okay to cry camp. The okay, it's okay to cry camp. Yeah, and and well, pairing DiMartino with Mr. O'Neill, the bleeding heart hippie, is so perfect. <laughs> I, I like the... when he finds out that he's going to get married, and he tries to like stop the whole thing. 
Does anyone have a buddy? <laughs> even though his buddy is somebody he disrespects on a regular basis. Like, that's the thing, is that even deep down, like, as much as he hates this guy, he still kind of knows he's his only social contact that he tolerates. Especially because, like, Mr. Mr. O'Neill, uh, yeah, Mr. O'Neill is such a flake. <laughs> like, he's Mr. I'm so sensitive, and that's why, what's the teacher's name that likes him? I've been trying to talk about Ms. her, and Ms. I can't think of his name. Is it Blart or something? I can't remember. I think you're probably the closest to what I have, but... It's a B name. It's, it is an unattractive B name. But, yeah, uh... I'm, I'm summoning the powers of the tubes. <laughs> I mean, those two have a very messed up relationship as is. I just like how he totally gets dominated by the feminist teacher in the end. Who's all like, I'm through of men. She's like, a sensitive man? I didn't think they existed. And like, <laughs> that's when they hook up is at the paintball yep. episode for the first time. Cause she's and yet she gets so it. mad at him every other episode. Like the moment he stops being sensitive for a second, or where he's being too sensitive and well, too Well, she's got to be dominant and in control, so. Yep. Like, and she's Mr. so bad Dark about Martino is like, I'm not, I'm not going to let that happen to him. And He has to teach him to man up. Like I said, it's just the dynamics with the teachers in this show are actually, like, really good. Oh, and the principal, because she's all about herself all the time. Well, it's about making money for the school. Lawndale. Lawndale High. Well, and what was it, like, the Cola Company episode? That was, like, one of the weirdest ones. Miss soda, Barch. soda, soda, soda! Let's keep some of the soda, soda! It's Miss Barnes? Barch. Barch. Okay. They're close. Yeah. Soda, soda, soda. And then there's poor Brittany. She's like, we can't even do our cheers. <laughs> and then they fall over in the can costumes. Because <laughs> they try to make a cheer. I just thought that was the cutest thing. But that episode is actually one of the weirder ones, I think, that they had. You know, it's like, and it's actually weird because it actually is kind of spot on what, when they bring people in to advertise in the school. What actually does happen is that they go and it gets overdone. Well, and I think they also wanted to have Daria for the first time um, really stand up for something that was bothering her because all this time we see her making commentary but not really doing anything about it. And that was one episode where she kept complaining and they were like, well, Daria, why don't you do something then? Oh, and it didn't help that she knew she couldn't save Miss Lee's soul. <laughs> she was too far gone. <laughs> no. But you gotta love Miss Lee because, like, yeah, she's all for herself. But she has a really funny way of showing it. <laughs> just just the way that she promotes herself. And I mean, this is not to stereotype, but, you know, I'm somebody who has an Asian boss. Mm -hmm. And the behavior patterns are kind of the same. Like, the way in which they self-promote and self-promote. They're very hardcore about it. And it is very much about how they present themselves. <laughs> like, Miss Lee's very spot on to somebody mm -hmm. who just presents themselves in such a way where it's so hardcore and it's, everything has to be matter of fact it has to be perfect it has to be dead on and it is all about making sure that the funding comes in mm -hmm. now keep in mind i i have a boss who's also really hardcore in that when students are being stupid she has no problem being like you're dumb stop right yeah but miss lee doesn't have that <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And I think they're trying to show, like, what she was, like, the typical, like, I don't really, you know, if, if you get me further, I'm not going to go after you. Like, she would never really go after Kevin or Brittany because of, you know, 
they were do it like Kevin was on the football team. He's doing something good for the school. Like you know, this is Brittany whole, was head cheerleader. Yeah, they got to get away with stuff, but then cracked down on like Daria and Jane. You know, well, she was not a fan of Jody either because Jody was always opening her mouth and being like, you know, this is unethical to the school. <laughs> she hated Jody. I think also you know, and you have to admit there's there's the racial tension between Miss Lee and Jody <laughs> because. Jody and Mac are the only black kids at the school. You know, funny that. Right? So, of course, you can't well, say... Well, they're, the, they're in the suburbs, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah like, I went to... I, I live in the suburbs, and I think we only had, like, five um, black kids in my whole entire high school. And I went to, like, let's see, my graduating class, I had, like, close to 600 kids, so... Well, that's what I mean. Miss For Miss Lee, you know, she didn't want to pee-pee in those two cornflakes because she knew what it meant. For them, they could have pulled the race card mm. on her. Even though that's not how Jody and Mac present themselves. As well, they actually make Jody and Mac two of the more sane characters in the show. Like, especially Mac. He's just kind of like, he's a good guy. He doesn't want to take advantage of the fact that he plays a sport. Like, he wants to actually learn something. Like, there's something very, like, admirable about him that, like, you know, he helps Jody out a lot. Like, when she, her dad wanted her to go to the one college, like, he actually went and talked to her dad, who's a pretty threatening guy to go up to and just be like, hey, this isn't what your daughter wants. Yeah, and no. he's always, like, pointing out to Kevin, like, what an idiot he was being. Like, he was there to be that, all right, Kevin, you're, you're, you're dumb. Lost it, yeah. <laughs> Voiced by four different guys, though. Yeah, that if you watch like the first season and then go on like well even half of even halfway through season 1 they had a dude switch. It was like they couldn't decide if they wanted him to be a main character or not. I think they're like, "Oh, we probably should." I actually always like Mac and Jody because I think you're right. In a world in a high school that's just full of nut jobs, they look the most sane and even Jody to an extent is kind of insane. Because she's, she has appearances to uphold, whereas Mac doesn't. Mac is, it, it, none of that stuff really phases him, whereas with her, it's, I have to be the best student. I have to be doing everything because this is what my father wants of me. This is what people expect from me. So even, even though she's a little bit more sane than some of the other characters, you can't deny that she has her own little insane bit about her. It's just, it's not a funny kind of insane She's probably a girl that a lot of us can relate to. Well, and I uh, think a lot of people knew Jodies too, the overachievers, the ones who are going after. Like, one of my friends in high school was student council president and just reminded me so much of Jody. Just like, you know, I have to get everything done. I have to look good, you know, for when I apply to colleges. Like, I have to be thinking ahead, you know. It, yeah. Everybody knew somebody like that. And what I think is interesting, what they did with the show, is obviously these characters would probably not really talk to Daria or Jane in it, but somehow they made it work where they were never, like, friends' friends, but they were still on a level that was talking more... buddies. Yeah, exactly. Because I know Jody. they used to always talk with Jody and, like, even Brittany in the bathroom and stuff like that, and it was like, all right, you knew they probably wouldn't have much interaction, but it worked because they never made it too much but always just an amount that, you know, you know. They never made the relationship more than it was. Yeah. So, you got to appreciate that the show makes every little character and every bit of dynamic 
work. Um, I kind of appreciate like the characters like Mac and Jody who are a little bit more tame because you need you really do need those types of outsiders who look at the world and kind of go, is this really where we are? And you gotta love Mac because Mac is the one who's always bringing Jody back to sanity. He's always the one pulling her back and saying you can't, you can't think like that. You can't act that way. And Jody, the only way that Jody snaps back into reality is because of Mac, because he's the one who's trying to to, to make her feel like she's worth something. And Jody, and in Jody's case, she's the character who doesn't feel like she's worth anything at all. Well, because she's got her father who's freaking crazy. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> And it's awful when you have to have a father like that who makes you feel like you're less than you are. Which is why you kind of have to appreciate Jake as a character. Because Jake's the well, opposite. you know what I liked about the show is that they always explain, did a good job at showing why characters were the way they were. Like, I think back to, like, Helen and, you know, when they go more into her family stuff, like, she was not the favorite child, okay? It was, like, her other sister, the middle sister, is always favored, and Helen was actually the one who did more with her life felt very unappreciated and then you get her youngest sister who's like a daria clone that shows like where daria kind of got her sense of humor from and everything it's just it was so good that they they showed like helen kind of is the way she is because of everything that she's been through with her like her mom never accepting her and you know and you had jake who obviously with the stuff with his dad and stuff but they always did a good job at i feel like explaining why characters were the way they were yeah, I can agree with that. I don't think there was ever a case where a character didn't seem out of place. I mean, like, we, we talked about when we talked about Jane and her parents. Yeah. And you actually see Jane's parents on screen, you realize they are exactly the way that Jane describes them. They're uh-huh. never there. Yeah. And they're very aloof. They don't think about anything that's happening because they're so self-absorbed. And they're they're trapped in their own little world. So it's no wonder why Trent and Jane just, they don't even feel any resentment towards their parents. They just don't feel anything for them but the, the parental characters in the show are pretty uh they're pretty spiffy i have to say because they're they're all different well stories. i loved oh. what they would do with sandy's mom and make her compete with quinn's mom because it was like ah you know oh and sandy's mom was such a bitch <laughs> well, sandy was such a bitch too so i you know. well and you always had to love helen she's like and you know where she gets it from <laughs> meanwhile quinn's exactly the same as helen and they don't see anything wrong with how they they treat Sandy's, you know, Sandy's parents. They don't see anything wrong with it. Meanwhile, it's the same thing. But ah, uh, I just there's there's just so much. The characters in the show are just amazing. Um, it's been a long time since I've seen a cartoon that has such a well-rounded cast of characters. And even characters I don't like, I still appreciate that they're there. Like as much as I don't like Tom, I like that Tom. When he appears, he's a catalyst. He causes a lot of trouble without, in some ways, even really meaning to. I kind of wish they would have made Tom kind of, like, secretly crazy. But oh, just hear me out here. Because, like, Jane kind of just meets him at, like, you know, they're they're watching Trent's band play at, like, some bar, you know. It's just, like, they meet in a very weird way. I kind of wish they would have made him a little crazy. <laughs> I, I don't know. Because he I, always seemed like he was trying to compensate for something. Like, he was trying to show off. Or, like, he just seemed, like, something seemed shady about him. But they never turned it into anything, you know. They just was like, oh, you know, he's basically kind of like a trust fund baby. 
Yeah, I don't know why they didn't do as much with Tom as they probably could have. Well, because they decided to turn it into, well, let's make Daria have a relationship because no, and see how she would act because no one would ever think that she would do that except that was the point. Nobody really wanted to see that. <laughs> Worst idea ever. <laughs> I was, like, once they took Tom out of the picture again, I feel like the show went back to normal. Like, those last couple episodes in the oh, series me nuts too when they the whole college thing and like here's the thing though i got really upset that they didn't let daria get into that school you know tom did because he got paid in yeah which like i guess you know i guess it is kind of realistic because she probably didn't have any involvement activities but she's so smart that it was like there's yeah. no reason why she shouldn't have but I guess, you know what, I'll be honest, I was watching, like, some true life on MTV about people who are genius, and this guy got rejected from Stanford, and I couldn't understand why, and he, like, had involvement and stuff, so I guess that happens. But, some, well, remember, I mean, for you guys, American colleges, also, don't they base a lot of it on, like, your personality and how you present yourself, and... You know, it's so like, we don't have that too, because when I was going through school, like it, it was like you had to have the numbers. I mean, it was really easy to figure out if you were going to get in at school or not. Did you have so and so GPA, and did you have the ACT score that was you know that met what their criteria was? For me, it was like you could do all the extra stuff you wanted, and it would help a little bit. But I thought it was way more influenced on numbers than anything else. And to me, like, so it seemed odd because to me, it's like Daria has the numbers, so it didn't make sense. Like, I could agree with you because it wouldn't make sense to me because in Canada, for the university system, it, it's all about the numbers, right? They don't really check your extracurricular. They only check your extracurricular for. Like, if you're applying for a master's or something. They always do that BS, like, if you don't have what we need, you know, your personal statement counts. And I think that's BS, to be honest with you. Because <laughs> I think if you don't have what they need, they're going to reject you. That's just a, like, for me, when I when I saw the, the is it college now, um, I was like you. I couldn't figure out, it's like, Daria's so smart. Why could she not gotten into the school? Of course, I was putting Canadian logic to things. <laughs> Right, well, I mean, like... they'll do stuff where, like, they want to see you have some sort of involvement. Like, I don't know. Like, I guess Daria could get nixed because of that. But, like, I would picture Daria getting an almost perfect, like, test score on top of having, like, straight A's every semester. So I wouldn't think it'd be an issue for her. It makes you wonder if in some ways they were trying to punish her for being well, that's the what way that she is. Her interview, her personal interview, like she choked a little bit, and I didn't think she did awful on it once she calmed down, you know. But they they totally made it so you know she didn't get to. And Tom was such a jerk because he would be like, "Oh, they didn't talk to you for that long and stuff like that." And he kept doing that, and he was driving me nuts throughout the whole thing because you just don't say that to somebody. It's not just that; it's it also just shows that Tom is all for himself. Well, and they made it very clear that Tom never really had the grades. Like, Tom never had to try at anything because his family always bailed him out. He just wasn't a, uh, he just wasn't a good character. I know well, there's people I mean, like that, but I would have rather seen it. I would have rather seen it with Kevin than done with Tom. <laughs> Probably, but they, they ended up do, doing something worse to Kevin with the episode where um, he breaks his leg. Mm-hmm. And they make him feel like he's the lowest of the low. And even he says, he goes, now I know what it feels like to not you know, fit in. Yeah. Even though it his was... Inspira- his very inspirational speech- speeches. <laughs> they were so bad. <laughs> yeah. But you have to love him because, again, this is that was his way of making amends. He didn't know any other way to do it. 
But I mean, if we're going to keep talking about the movies, now, I know Kim and I have had this conversation before, but I'm going to put this on Scott for a second. Scott, how did you feel about when they made Jane question her sexuality? I always figured she was a lesbian. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what this a lot why of us we think. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> this is why you don't ask men. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was just going to say. <laughs> Jane is... I, that episode was... Or not episode, that movie really bothered me. I feel like they took advantage that she was an artist and kind of, like, took that stereotype that, like, artistic people are experimental in a way. And then there's poor Jane being like, I'm not. (laughs) Well, what I hated about it was they tried to make Jane think that she was when she was confident that she wasn't. Just because that girl said, well, I'm never wrong when she hit on Jane. Like, I have good, you know, gaydar or whatever. I'm never wrong. So it's like, well... No one can tell you what you are. It's up to you. Like, But it's amazing it how just, someone has that power. Well, I guess, you know what, TV, it, it comes to the TV shows do it all the time where they have, like, characters get out of a breakup, kind of like Jane did, and then all of a sudden try a lesbian relationship. Hello, OC. But it just, <laughs> it, it always, you always know it's out there, and you always know it's it's not, it's just an experimental phase that they're going for for ratings or whatever. And I felt like it was kind of a cheap plot t- trick for the, for Daria as a series to do for a movie because it was just like kind of like, all right, yeah, this is a little awkward. You know, I laughed because I knew exactly what you were talking about with the OC and I I felt that way when I first saw that I blame the OC for a lot of this because a lot of shows are doing it now and it drives me crazy because there'll be no hints that this character ever really just one day woke up and decided yeah I'm going to try a girl like it I I don't think I'm not an expert or anything but I I kind of think there should you probably have hints along the way and you're probably trying to sort it out in your head a long time before you just randomly decide like yeah whatever you know well, I mean, I'm the first to admit, for example, I other than the doppelganger thing in Buffy, I did not pull hints of Willow being a lesbian. <laughs> I know people say there were hints, but I admit, as somebody who was watching it, and Willow being my favorite character, it was hard for me to You know why it was change. hard to accept? Because she loved Xander for so long, and then all of a sudden it was like, yeah, no, you're, you're gay. Well, it doesn't help that Tara is such a freaking awful character oh my god but I like not tara like has nothing to offer but she was so much better than who that kennedy girl who they just tried to throw her with in the in the seventh season all right guys we're, we're running past 90 minutes now um <laughs> see what happens when you get us talking about daria and tv the, shows no this is what happens when i have two women on the show <laughs> <laughs> oh what are you implying I'm saying you can empirically go back and listen to all the episodes in which I have two <laughs> women on the show. Oh, come on. Is it and really it, that they bad? run long and I don't get a word in edgewise. When you put I'm not saying it's not entertaining. I'm just saying they run long. Getting back on topic, does Scott have actually anything to add in terms of the male perspective of things? Look, I oh, just now you're quiet. You at this point, I just want to run this to do hit a few shows? quick highlight episodes and then final thoughts and close this up. What do you say? Sure. All right. So a few ones I think I want to. But there are a few episodes that really stand out in my brain. Um, the first one being the 
multi-holiday episode, which completely exploded the genre of the series. Oh god, yes. <laughs> but no one cared because it was ridiculous. <laughs> that was a good one. Especially when they tried to make sense of it all. <laughs> and then realized, no, we, we really can't. And, it, and they didn't even write it off as a dream. No, they didn't. You think they would. Yeah. What else? It was just this crazy, wacky thing. Um, we talked about paintball. Which I know is your favorite. Uh, the babysitting one. Oh, the babysitting one is oh, awesome. the kids. Just the way they brain counter-brainwashed those brainwashed kids was genius. You gotta like that the kids came back, too, eh? Yeah, they and did. And they did a really good job of bringing them back with the parade episode. Oh, that was awesome. And Daria's like, okay, now I gotta find your mom, and now I need to go get toilet paper. And, like, you gotta love that she actually... Instead of being selfish, Daria knew that was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And not to mention, those little kids think she's better than Quinn. So that boosts her ego right there. It's like, we like you better than Quinn. And well, then, at first, there was like Quinn like lets us brush her hair. Like Daria had to retrain them, so it was great. <laughs> there was the musical episode. Oh, I love that one, Manly. Um, the one where all the lanes end up moving into Daria's house. Oh yes, just to see Jake try and interact with Trent. <laughs> I loved when they had Jake and Trent interact, because it was always so awkward, but they were like, especially when they go and they try to save um, Daria and Jane during the musical episode, because they're missing, you know, when they get stuck up on the roof, and... (laughs) So funny. Now, that's a pair of characters I wish they had done more, like, more often, because it's always funny. I wish they would have made Jake kind of like a father figure to Trent, because... Well, in that episode, Jake really did become a father figure to Trent, and it was sort of interesting to see him interact with another male. Especially because he's in the House of Estrogen. Yeah. Well, I think Jake just gets happy in an episode when there's other men, like... One of one episode that's really great is the isn't the one where Jake has it's Tom and then one of Quinn's boyfriends and then they run off and go do their own thing. <laughs> They're like, yeah, yeah, let's go in the yard and catch the squirrel. <laughs> well, you have to feel bad for my bet. You he always wanted a son and you know never got it. Obviously. Yeah. Um. And then there was that episode where Quinn or uh, Daria and. And uh, Kevin were lab partners, and Quinn was trying to hit on him, and <laughs> Jake and Kevin just ended up hanging out. Again, another case of Jake finally having male bonding time, and Kevin totally loving Jake, by the way. Mm. Like, he kept coming over even after the project was done. Because <laughs> he yeah. wanted to watch sports with Jake. And uh, Jane's attempted a rebound boyfriend with crazy 1940s guy. Oh yeah, that one was great. You gotta love that she saw nothing wrong with the guy until Daria had to finally point it out that he was just a douchebag. Well, that that whole episode just came out of nowhere. It was very quirky, like... It was a nice change-up. There, there's one thing I do want to mention, which was that as over the course of Sam and I re-watching the whole series, I did create a drinking game for this this, and I just want to summarize the rules for the, for posterity here, is one, drink anytime someone says damn it. Two, drink anytime someone eats pizza. Three, drink anytime someone eats lasagna. And then the fourth is 
two down a drink if they're if all four er, Morgendorfers are at the dinner table not eating lasagna. Because <laughs> it doesn't happen that often. Yeah, we, we drank a lot during Daria, now that I think about it. And we played the drinking game quite frequently. It's as bad as the Home Alone one. Ugh. Yeah. But, okay, final thoughts? Well, here's my closing thoughts. Daria is one of the best shows that's never been replicated. On one hand, I'm incredibly thankful that there's no other show like it. On the other hand, there's a part of me that misses having a show like that in my life. You know, I kind of secretly treat Two Broke Girls like it because of how Kat Dennings is. But it's still not the same thing, and it still doesn't evoke the same kind of feelings for me the way it was when I watched it in high school to just when I rewatched it this summer. Um, Daria is just a really special kind of show. There's there's nothing like it. And you can keep rewatching it, and it's still funny, and you, you still smile at the same jokes. And all the characters are just, they're so perfectly lovable that, yeah, they have flaws, but you kind of love them anyways. So, you know, I'm kind of thankful we've never seen another show like it. I hope to God they never make a live action of it. No, I and, don't want that. And, you know, I'll just, I'll just keep rewatching my DVDs every time I need a fix, because when I want a Daria fix, it's usually pretty bad. <laughs> no, I think they went about as far as they could go with the show. I think it ended where it should have. I don't think that, you know, they should bring it back, because I just don't think it'd be the same anyways. I think it's hard to find those shows that really kind of get it and are clever like Daria was. Um, It's not just because of Daria that was clever. It was just the whole setup with all the characters. I just don't think you're really going to find much of that. Now that, you know, adult cartoons have become more popular and everything, and we see, but still, I don't see the magic like I did with Daria, so... Well, considering that most of the adult cartoons, humor is lots of sex jokes... Um, oh, it's, it's not like, even that interesting you know. to begin with. And Daria didn't even need just, like, one-liners to survive. Like, they had everything. Like, there was a, a, re- there was a genuine realness to everything that was going on with it um, in the background of all this craziness that, you know. And it was, like, originally it was just going to be a sarcastic show, and I think it turned into something more and deeper. And I think that's what happened in the last couple seasons is they tried to turn it into something different, but they already had that going throughout the show, so they never needed to go as deep as they really went. For my closing thoughts, I think this show came out did come out in an era where there were a lot there was a lot of T V on at the time about being an outsider. Because you did have things like Freaks and Geeks and Seinfeld. So- well, Seinfeld to an extent, but Freaks and Geeks and My So Called Life really examined being awkward and weird in a high school setting. And both those shows, and two of those shows, died a year in. And I think and two of those shows ran on regular network TV. Mm-hmm. And I think MTV, I applaud MTV for, you know, keeping giving this show a chance to really have its own voice and be a unique space. To really just be something for all the freaks and weirdos who didn't know who didn't see themselves on TV uh, a place to really sit down and enjoy these crazy antics also I just found out you can get Daria as a GPS voice ah now that's, that's badass 
I want a Daria GPS voice. <laughs> well, guess what, Sam? I can have it. It's available for Garmin. Woohoo! Apparently, and it, apparently it was uh, entirely new recordings by the voice actress. Even better. So that's that's neat. <laughs> <laughs> I will try and get a link to like some YouTubeage or something of this voice for all of you people because it just sounds awesome. But good night. Thank you for listening to our Daria show. Now I'll stop requesting it. I thought they smelled bad on the outside. That on the outside is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Share-Alike License Version 3.0 International. Check our website at sbopodcast.blogspot.com for contact information. All right, Scott.